Welcome to the Health and Wealth Power Hour, the podcast provides you with the knowledge and insights you need to achieve physical, mental, and financial well-being. I'm your host, Arlen Pickett, a business consultant who's passionate about helping people achieve a more balanced and healthier life. Each week, we'll deep dive into topics related to health and wealth, including retirement income planning, innovative healthcare solutions, alternative funded health plans, and specific actions individuals and business owners can take to gain control of their finances, have access to affordable quality health care, and achieve peace of mind. We'll also be joined by innovative experts who will share their knowledge and insights on prevalent topics. So, whether you're looking to grow your wealth or improve your health, you've come to the right place. Get ready to be informed, inspired, and empowered. Let's get started. All right, gang, welcome to another exciting Health and Wealth Power Hour. I am your host, Harlan Pickett. Great to have you with me today. We have got some really cool things to talk about today. Kidneys, kidneys, man, oh my gosh, how exciting are kidneys? I know what you're thinking right now. Are you serious, Harlan? We're going to talk about kidneys. Why, yes, yes, we are. It is a pretty dadgum important organ, and you know what? It doesn't get near as much publicity as say the heart or maybe even the liver. The kidneys are many times overlooked, but can be the root of so many issues. And as we will learn today, there is many reasons why people don't take care of their kidneys. Even when they know they have a problem, they find excuses to not do it, but help is on the way. Tiffany Jones-Smith, President and CEO of the Texas Kidney Foundation joins us today to talk about their mission and not just that, but give you a bunch of tips and reminders to help you have better kidney health. Tiffany, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Boy, I would love having you uh, introduce me every place because you make kidneys sound exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll tell you what, people don't get to see is the fact that we've spent 30 minutes just getting to know each other and and really had some great conversations before we ever hit the record button. So they're going to kind of get the B-reel on this thing. You're not even going to get all the good fun stuff that we had to talk about already. But it has been really exciting to get to know you. I actually met you for the first time on one of our LinkedIn audio events where you came in mm -hmm. to hear about some of the crazy things that I talk about. But it was wonderful to have you attend that event and then connect with you afterwards to hear about the wonderful work that you're doing all across the state of Texas. Well, I, I loved your event because integrative medicine is really uh, so important. That You were talking about integrative medicine at that time with uh, Dr. Hussein Musa of Kingdom right. Healthcare Systems. And I, I just, we have had a lot of success working with uh, doctors with uh, in regards to integrative medicine because early detection of kidney disease is really where the state of Texas not only can uh, we save the quality of people's lives but it also saves money like all the way around it is better for everybody both the the patient and uh, our state and, and everything associated with that patient, because a patient is not just that. They are mothers, fathers, business owners. Uh, they, they work in businesses. And that's, you know, we all heavily identify with what we do and how we do it. And to have kidney disease, especially the latter stages of kidney disease, it turns your life upside down. Yeah, it's interesting. If if you don't know this part of our healthcare system, this is a pretty major burden on the healthcare system in general. In fact, end stage renal failure, which is kidney disease, is the only uh, immediate qualifying event other than turning sixty five that will get you on Medicare. Uh, mm -hmm. It is uh, there. There's other things that can get you there, like disabilities, but that is a more long term. You have to be. Uh, really on Medicare or excuse me, on Social Security disability for a couple of years before you qualify to get on Medicare. But in stage re renal failure, boom, you're on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a couple of months for those benefits to really start kicking in. But this just gives you an indicator of 
the the major lifestyle changes and things that are fixing to happen to someone with this disease and the incredibly high cost that can be associated with that as well. Uh, dialysis is not cheap. I can tell you right now, it is, it, it's, it's not cheap. It's very invasive and disruptive to a life and a lifestyle. And Really, kidney disease itself can be that even before there is uh, any any other treatments like that. So talk a little bit about what your experience has been there, Tiffany, because this is it gets to that end stage point because people don't do the early detection and they don't do some of the earlier things that could have negated that. Well, now, one of our, our big things with uh, Texas Kidney Foundation was when we were looking at uh, what, you know, when, when I stepped into my calling with, with Texas Kidney Foundation, um, we had $13,000 in the bank, the, the foundation did, and 11000 in expenses against it. So I had to hit the ground running. Um, once we got our first uh, grant in, I started looking at, okay, what is it? That's what's what's really happening with this disease. Now, at the time, I'd lost nine family members to kidney disease, and I thought that my family, in particular, had a genetic link to kidney disease. I thought there was something genetic going on, and there actually was. It's called APOL1. I didn't know that at the time, and I start. I was simultaneously looking for that, and then looking at what what are the real challenges with kidney disease. Why do we have such a high cost because in the state of Texas, uh, then it was costing $4.8 billion a year for in stage renal disease. So we're not talking about stages one through four of kidney right. disease, but we're actually talking about stage five kidney disease. So that was costing $4.8 billion. Now, the estimation is that the other stages combined are three to one. They cost $3 to every $1 that end-stage renal disease costs. Okay. So, uh, you you know, you're looking at at millions of dollars, you know, $4.8 billion for just, and that was 54,000 people, to put that into perspective. 54,000 people in Texas at that time who were, who were in end-stage renal disease, and they were, they cost, Four point eight billion dollars in services. So you oh got to think God. of two things. In anytime something costs four point eight billion dollars, somebody's making four point eight billion dollars. So you got to. <laughs> <laughs> so now you got to deal with what does this cost? Who am I going to be dealing with that's making this money and that doesn't want to stop making it? Right. right. <laughs> right. How am I going to convince the person that's making the money? That they can make money another way, <laughs> you know. Like there was, there were a lot of things that we had to look at. But first, we began to look at how, where's the bifurcation? There's got to be something that's causing this to to hockey puck like it is. And so, what we figured out was that it was kidney disease is seen. You can see it in the blood, in the blood work in patients all over the United States, but all over this state, all over the state of Texas, um, in stages one, two, and three, but it is not diagnosed because those are very specific terms. It's not diagnosed until stage 3B. That's best practice. That's what we are, yeah. that's what people in the, the field are told to do, but it's seen in stages one, two, and 3A. You can see it in, in the blood work. And we're told to, um, doctors are told, not we, but the doctors are, and practitioners are told to uh, monitor. So it's in how a person is, is interpreting that. Because often, you know, when you start talking to the practitioners, they're not up to anything nefarious. They're looking at a person's uh, um, health. They, they only see people five to seven minutes. That's that's how often that's that's the length of time. So they're right. they're probably triaging something. <laughs> you know, they're just trying to trying to, you know, deal with what's there. They've got a set of protocols they have to follow. And kidney disease 
telling someone about them having stages one, two, and three A, that's not in any protocol right now. Wow. It wasn't then. We've been working towards getting it into a protocol, like perhaps adding it to diabetes and hypertension, because it really should be. Um, but it's not. And so doctors are doing, they've got a lot to try and get through the protocols that they have. So they're trying to go through that those protocols. They're, when they see your your kidney health and you're in stage two, well, you, you've got plenty of kidney function in their brains. Because we just started talking to doctors going, okay, what what is it? Like, what are you thinking? You tell me, doctor, what are you thinking? And we got the same answer over and over again. That, hey, they have plenty of kidney function. So that it's not that they're thinking anything. They're trying to do something or there's some conspiracy or something. It's nothing like that. It's that the sheer nature of how this is bifurcated. When it's diagnosed, then people are referred over to a nephrology. Well, best practices are, the best practices recommendation is to di diagnose at stage 3B. But in actuality, what happens is most people don't get diagnosed until they're in stage four. And you've lost a significant amount of your kidney function. And you don't feel bad with kidney disease. Then the secondary problem is people don't feel bad with it. So even when doctors are telling them you're losing your kidney function, when you get to a doctor that's telling you that you're losing your kidney function, the person is like, are you sure? That's another thing that, that, that practitioners will tell you, that, that the patient's like, really? Because I don't feel bad. I feel great. You got to be wrong. I feel great. You know, I don't feel bad at all. That's, that's interesting because I, I can see that, right? I can see someone mm -hmm. saying, well, I thought maybe your numbers are just bad this time. Maybe uh -huh. I shouldn't I eat that orange or whatever, you know, some, some kind yeah. of crazy excuse they, they made yep. about, well, I knew I shouldn't have drank that bottle of wine last night before I came in and got my blood work this morning or well, whatever. No wonder my kidney function looked crazier. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you start making excuses of why it is. Or the, and, and I understand what you're saying that it's not, there's nothing nefarious there, but is it part of just what our current protocols are? that it's not being flagged early enough as or the severity taken seriously. I think I think it's it's both. I think also it's in how I think there's a communication problem. You know, that's what we identified and that's where we've been so effective is in communicating to patients the uh, importance and the severity of what they're dealing with because uh, often, if if you listen to what practitioners are saying and how they're saying it, it's not conveying to patients this is really, really important. The severity, right? The, so yeah. the, the severity is not getting across. It's not getting across. Well, we make sure that they understand that. And we have been wildly successful because of that. In fact, um, Yahoo Finance did a a uh, story on us because uh, when when the pandemic hit, uh, and this is me personally, when the pandemic hit, my husband and I started losing family members and friends. And about the, you know, at what point does your soul start to cry, you know? So at the 14th person, and I will never forget this, 14th person, uh, my, it was a friend of mine. Her, I've been friends with her for 30 years. Surely she had a brother named Jamarcus. So part of what, you know, I'm a, a multifaceted person. So part of what I did when I took over the kidney foundation is I, I firmly believe that that the faces of kidney disease are, you know, the United Colors of Benetton. I'm dating myself with that, but <laughs> but it's all of us, it's all Americans. And so, um, and it's people all over the place. It, it doesn't know boundaries, doesn't know the borders of the state of Texas. And you know, I'm just crazy patriotic and, and a, a huge, huge fan of our great state. Uh, but I place people and stories all around the country. 
acute kidney disease in uh, in the media and in in the press. So I was working with uh, a gentleman named Jamarcus, Jamarcus Cruz, and you can look his name up because uh, the story did go out. Um, so I was working with him and a, a writer, Lizzie Presser, uh, and and they, Lizzie Presser does long form stories. And so she follows um, people in different parts of the country for uh, the story that she's doing. So she was looking at looking for a dialysis patient in a rural area. And, and uh, I chose Jamarcus uh, and he lived in uh, Alabama. And so I was calling to see what was going on with the story. You know, how, how are you doing? How are you, how's it going with Lizzie? Um, you know, I'd called Lizzie, you know, just typical stuff, you know, the typical right. housekeeping thing. And um, when I called, he didn't respond. And so I called several times and uh, I'm used to people responding to me. I call you, you call me back. <laughs> so <laughs> I called Shirley and I was like, Shirley. I called Jamarcus and he did not call me back. What's going on with him? And she said, Jamarcus is in, in the hospital. He has COVID-19 and he, he, he can't, he can't breathe. And so he was saying goodbye to her because he couldn't breathe and he was terrified. He goes into the ICU unit and he dies in one week. And I was like, we are either going to go big or go home. And my husband said the same thing. So my husband liquidated his 401k, left Merle Lynch, which is a really great place to work. He was in management there and had taken his, uh, his market to the top five, five years in a row. So he was very good at what he did, you know, been flown to New York and all of this stuff. So, I, you know, I kind of had a pretty good logistics guy <laughs> willing to come on to this team. And we took the foundation back to the studs and rebuilt it. And one of the things that we did was looked around the world to find a test that we could give people without touching them. Because at that time we were locked in our homes. Remember, we couldn't go anywhere. Right. And so we we found this test, uh, and it it wasn't in the United States yet. I and I started calling, like I told you, and I called all over the world and found this Israeli company, um, that was called Healthy IO, great little company, with uh, with test kits, these little tests that you could do that uh, turn your smartphone into a clinical grade testing device. And so you take the test at home and pee on your little stick, put it on the green board and get your result there at your house. And then the foundation would receive the result as well. Same time in a matter of, of about 15 seconds. So I called to get them to give me a million. I said, I need a million of these right now. And the lady said, <laughs> we don't have a million of them. We don't, we aren't even in the United States yet. And I said, what do we need to do to get you to the United States? And so I write some letters to the FDA asking if we can be a part of the clinical trial that, that is coming to bring it into the States. Cause they do, you know, those little small trials right. around the country before they will let something in. Uh, and they said, yes. So they let us in, you know, again, the favor of God, they let us in. Uh, and it's us, a, uh, um, a national foundation. And then it's all um, payers. It's all insurance companies. Yeah. So we decided, because they're always, you know, dividing all of us up by race. So I was like, we're going to, that is a lie from the pit of hell and we're going to just crash this out of we're going to burn this lie down so i concentrated all of the test kits in black and brown people 
concentrated in in, in those communities. Is you know they don't they don't take tests. They don't like to to deal with their health. No, I I think it's the message and the messenger. It's what you're saying, and and who's saying it. That's that's what makes anybody has nothing to do with black and brown. Makes anybody willing to take care of something or willing to hear what you have to say, right? It's it's right. the message and the messenger. Are you agreed? Because it's sincerity. That's what makes people listen to you. It's sincerity, right? They know that this is a place where I can go and get good advice. Well, we took them all. We concentrated 2,000 tests in Bear County. But it's a very diverse place, believe it or not. <laughs> and we concentrated them here. Uh, and Yahoo Finance did a story on us because we had an over 40% adherence rate. They did a case study because our adherence rate was so high. Then we coupled that, that testing with telemedicine because we do... Okay. We, we create models. We were building a model. So we wanted to do more than just feel good and drink a mimosa at the end and go, oh, yeah, we prove black and brown people take this. No, that wasn't the goal. The goal was to make sure that every American could get those tests, right? right. So if you, right. you know, the, the mentality that we took was if you take the biggest argument, the biggest obstacle and knock it down, all the risks fall down. So if you're saying this group of people don't take tests, we knock that out of the way. You can't say the rest of them don't because we just proved that the toughest group does. So after we did that, I started presenting to the uh, Healthcare Reform Committee here in Texas and other places because if Texas, you know, we always say this, as Texas goes, so too goes the rest of the United States. Texas is a very conservative place. If you can convince conservatives that what you are doing is in the the best uh, is in the best interest of our population, then you can convince everybody else. Because there's a reason why they're conservative. What they are conserving is economic interest. So when you talk to, it's not the crazy stuff that people talk about that that's actually what they're right. trying to agreed economic yeah. and so when you can talk to that point uh then the humanity part is is a given you know there's no 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 argument against that um so as of august 1st 2023 signify health medicare's um it's one of Medicare's companies. They announced that they will be using at-home test kits coupled with telemedicine to open up access to care. Beginning in Texas, because we did this in Texas because there are 42 counties in Texas that do not have primary care physicians. Uh, some of them have dialysis units, but they don't have primary care physicians. And so we were looking for a way for them to see somebody and yeah. manage the most difficult chronic conditions because kidney disease is actually um, diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and, and uh, um, obesity are the four leading causes of kidney disease. So other things are feeding into kidney disease. Um, so if you can identify somebody that's in those stages, early stages of kidney disease, then you can stave off these other things. You can, you know, deal with, with some of the other things and the, the having a, a, a physician uh, working with them, whether it's, whether that physician is right there or through telemedicine or a practitioner, you know, it doesn't have to be a physician. It can be a nurse practitioner or a nurse. Right, right. That that's a game changer. It's a game changer for uh, patients in rural settings. You know, it, it's it's interesting. You you talk about the situation that we have in Texas, and it's other places too, right? We have these primary uh -huh. care wastelands, 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. what they are. They're deserts, they're wastelands. There's nowhere to go. And COVID made that worse. COVID made that worse in Texas. COVID made that worse in other states as well, as we lost about 8%. I know that, that that's a crazy, oh, that's a low number. No, that's about 16,000 primary care providers that hung it up during COVID. And yeah. we certainly have not replaced those at all. And will we ever? Because primary care is not a, a very attractive thing for a doctor coming out of medical school to go down that pathway. Uh, the good news is, is we have more and more doctors turning to direct primary care and to advanced primary care and using a different model. When you have that, they're going to look at things such as kidneys. They're going to look at all of these other pieces. They're going to realize that those other, you know, four big ones that you talked about that are kind of precursors to what can be kidney disease, that all of that is instrumental in your overall health. Uh, it, it's a big difference when you're seeing somebody that gives you more than that five to seven minutes you were talking about earlier, Tiffany, right? When you have more than five to seven minutes to talk to your doctor and really get to the root of all the things that are going on and they have a better understanding of how all these things interconnect. Uh, I, I believe that uh, you're right. There are many, I'd say the majority, majority of doctors are in this for the right reason. Mm-hmm. But doctors themselves will tell you that they are being morally compromised by the existing healthcare system. They are not able to pursue medicine in the way that they were trained to do and in the way that they quite honestly want to do and, and what they got into medicine for. The, 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 the system itself, the way things are set up, healthcare systems, uh, big insurance companies, it is call, causing the moral bankruptcy of physicians in this country in many cases. And as a direct result, then we have groups of people that are not able to access health care the way that they should be. So using a system like what you guys put together, where you have at-home tests and telemedicine, that is giving direct access to health care and yep. can change the game for so many people. Oh, I I fully agree with you when it comes down to uh, what's happening to doctors. And I thank you for for, uh, seeing that because um, seeing what we're doing, uh, because we literally run into doctors all the time who want to stop what we're doing and who will tell tell me as often as they can, how unintelligent I am and should not be doing this, that this is for doctors. Well, I I don't do anything in regards to um, advising on medical, giving patients medical advice. What I do is direct them to doctors who actually want to heal, (laughs) who actually want care for patients. (laughs) What what a crazy concept. (laughs) And Harlan, right now, after six years of this, we have people that we've helped to get transplants who didn't know even what the process was to get one uh, because what we ran into with dialysis was that uh, the dialysis companies would tell you point blank. That's not our job. Our job is not to help people get transplants. Our job is to give them high quality care uh, while they're on dialysis. Treat them, treat them, treat them. How can we make any money Mm -hmm. if we're not treating them anymore? And the thing about that is that uh, in Bear County, you know, people on dialysis, for every person that's on dialysis, the life expectancy is five years. And I know they love to pull out that one person. Mr. Johnson has been on dialysis for the last 27 years. But Mr. Johnson is a, is a statistical outlier. Yes, Right. The facts are is that when you go on to dialysis, you're on you're on a on you you're on a time you got a time stamp of about five years. Yeah, the, the clock has started ticking, right? Yeah. The the numbers that's, tell us the clock has started ticking. Yeah. Right. Does that mean a hundred percent that that's what you have? No, because we got Mr. Johnson that lasted 27 years. But yeah. the numbers tell us that this is what it's going to look like for you. That's right. That's, and we know that. And it's not, uh, it's just not good 
to have patients thinking that they are the bad guy. It's so wrong to twist everything like, you know what, you, you don't need a kidney. I, I literally talk to people who, I don't know if it's indoctrination, I don't know what's going on in these environments, but you talk to people and they're like, no, uh, we need to, to make sure that those kidneys go to, to uh, other people. Well, who? What other people? <laughs> what, right. what are you talking about? Exactly. Let's go down that pathway just a second, because one of the things we talked about before we started recording was situations that you have with both men and women and their hesitancy to even do anything about their situation. So let's start with us bad guys first, because men are notoriously bad about going to the doctor and then yep. notoriously bad about getting anything done once we ever know there's anything going on. So talk a little bit about that, but more importantly, how you help. Well, that what you just said is true. Men, men don't like going to the doctor and you know, it's, it ends up being a perpetuating cycle because what we would, what we have found over and over again is, you know, you'll find a, a guy who didn't go to the doctor. And then when they finally did, they found themselves in a situation that, that the industry, you know, I always refer to kidney disease as an industry because it is, you know, $120 billion a year is spent on kidney disease. And again, that means that somebody's making $120 billion a year. So that's an industry. So when you talk about industry and people having uh, kidney disease, uh, patients, they'll often just beat themselves up over getting the disease. Well, I should have gone to the doctor. I didn't go to the doctor. And so now I have this and I don't, I don't need to go get it. I don't need to get a kidney transplant. I don't deserve to get a kidney. I don't deserve it, right? Yeah, it's my own fault. Mm -hmm. And it's so I fault. just, you know, it's my own fault. I'll just de deal with the circumstances. And the facts of the matter are, is what I said before. When you bifurcate diagnosis and early detection, kidney disease is, how do we know? You know, one of the first questions that we asked at the foundation was, how do you know that nine out of 10 people who have kidney disease don't know that they have it? In order to make a, a guesstimation or estimation like that, there has to be something that that number is being calculated under. So how, how did they come to this conclusion? Well, upon asking this little question <laughs> and trying to search it out, <laughs> we found out that uh, in, in, those, in the medical records, you can see it. And the place where they looked at that at first was in Medicare. You could see it. You can see kidney disease going right on along. You can see that person's kidneys declining over years. And we're talking about something that happens over years. Um, so they could see it, but it wasn't being communicated to the patients. And it's still not. We then began programs to tell people what was happening. We said, okay, if the practitioners aren't telling them what needs to happen next, okay, they need to ask. Here, let's give them a set of questions. And we just made up a set of questions. Uh, and we didn't come up with it ourselves. We just went and pulled it from the National Institute of Health. These are the questions you should be asking. So the NIH, you know, there are smarter people than us who've been looking at this. We simply went and talked to the one of the first things I did, and I, this was funny. <laughs> This was very funny, Harlan. Um, was in my first six months uh, on the job after I got us kind of stabilized financially. I flew to uh, Washington D.C. to the Kidney Precision Medicine Project, um, the largest longitudinal study that's ever been done on kidney disease in the United States. There's a, another large study that's being done in Europe called Beat CKD, and I think they're about two years ahead of this one. Well. Uh, it was it it was a convention of scientists, a conference for scientists. Now they all know one another. 
And spoiler alert, there ain't a whole lot of black women with natural hair walking through that conference. <laughs> so, <laughs> I show up. <laughs> Can y'all tell me if anybody's working on anything that has to do with black people and kidney disease? Because I thought there was something going on with my family. And I, want, I thought, yeah. kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to find out what's going on with kidney disease in general and find out if there's something special with uh with African Americans. And and I found out both. Yes, there was there's something called APOL one, which at the time I didn't know whether we had it, but I thought we did and we do. Um and now I'm one of the authors on the 55 questions that uh doctors have to use to differentiate between APOL one and FSGS. It's two different forms of kidney disease. But um I mean, that's, you know, that's nothing but the the favor of God. But when I went in and started doing that and, and asking them questions and finding out about, about kidney disease, that was where we made the first inroads with National Institute of Health and started working with them to find out, okay, what resources are there? What have you studied? You know, well, when you ask them that, you know, if you're willing to learn, most people are willing to teach you. And so I met the head of the APOL1 lab, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Kopp, and I asked him if he had ever taught anybody. And he said, yes, at the war colleges. And I said, oh, okay, well, what do you think you could teach me? And he said, yep. <laughs> and he gave me um, a little USB port. He met me for dinner in, in uh, Washington, D.C. I flew out there on another occasion. And uh, he gave me a USB port with 17,000 peer-reviewed papers that he had curated over the years and told me where to begin to study. And I studied and asked questions and started pulling uh, information and literally rebuilt the foundation, every single program, uh, and how we did things and approached kidney disease. And so we approach educating the patient first, putting patients first. And so uh, we pulled the questions, what do you ask? Then uh, we started a little education program with a few churches. Okay, let, you know, because we were piloting, we, like I said, we decided that we would build programs. These, we have limited resources. We will build programs and present those programs and get, get the government and uh, payers to understand that early detection is the way to go. You want to you wanna save money and save the quality of people's lives? This is what needs to be done. Let doctors be what they signed up to be, which is healers, and not uh, stuck in this system where they they have to hire two or three people just to interpret the codes. Yeah, every practice has two or they have a department just to interpret the codes and figure out how to get compensated yep. for the work. It's it is it is appalling because some of your best doctors, when you talk about the people who have left, you're talking about some of the best doctors that are leaving because they came into this as exactly what you want them to come in, optimistic, excited to work with patients and heal. And they were quickly punched in the face yeah. by a system <laughs> that tells them and and I, and I will will pull out the most egregious and you can look this up because Lizzie Presser actually did a, a story on it uh, which would be uh, diabetes and amputations when you look at diabetes and amputations that is probably one of the more um, disheartening it really is I, I read a story about it here recently and mm -hmm. You would think in the United States it would not be an issue, right? It, it it shouldn't be. Let's be honest, it shouldn't be. But it's horrible. And right here in Bear County, right here in San Antonio, it's a terrible, terrible problem. It is. It is. And what's sad is that right here in Bear County, some of some of the best scientists 
had actually shown that you can reverse this, that amputations don't have to happen, that we can do better. There, there are therapeutics, but there are also protocols, things that they can follow to do better on this. Um, but that's not what insurance will compensate for. Right. Insurance will pay for the amputation. Yeah, that, that's right. Uh, you were talking about Dr. Musa earlier, and mm -hmm. he shared a story on that same event that you were talking about, and, and he referred to it a, a few days ago. And it's one of those stories that just once again points out some of the, the terrible deficiencies and uh, bad parts of our healthcare system. And mm -hmm. that was a patient that came in on his free clinic day, as it were, that he was able to see them. And the gentleman had a wound on his leg that wouldn't heal. And it turns out he had been to the ER multiple times for this same exact problem. And more or less, they would stabilize him and send him out the, out the door. And it was because of his severe diabetes that he wasn't here. And by the time Dr. Moose had seen him, he says, you know, when he walked to the room, he knew something was wrong because there was a smell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when he saw the wound... It, it 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 was it had gone gangrene and it was uh yeah they they ended up having to have an amputation uh of that gentleman's leg because of and, and he had been seen multiple times at ERs and instead of healing him they just wrapped it up and sent him on his way and it's see it's stuff like that. We had a, I had a, a lady, you know, when we were working on, on uh, Knowledge to Action, we have a, a program, uh, our umbrella is called Knowledge to Action because it's, it's literally, you learn, we teach you what it is that you need to know about this particular subject and then you take action, you know, um, because, and I, and I just say this because it's the truth. I'm a Christian and I operate hundred percent out of that so faith without works is dead you <laughs> you have you learn what it is you need to know and and uh let's take some action and if you're afraid to go someplace i'll go with you we've got not me but we got team of people that will go with you. <laughs> you know if you need somebody to, to hold your hand and help you through this we'll do it um so i you know we're working on knowledge to action and uh i was working with one of our our volunteers and the volunteer says, Oh, uh, there's a lady at our church, uh, Stephanie. And she, she, um, and I'm, I'm free to say Stephanie's name. Stephanie has given me permission to say her name. I'm not going to say her last name, <laughs> but she, um, she, she is, she has a wound on her leg. And, and, uh, she sent me this picture of this wound and I was like, Oh my goodness what is this this no but she's on dialysis she goes to dialysis three times a week they're checking up on the wound well I'm like okay I don't one dialysis that's not what dialysis is for they don't they right. are not wound care specialists and that thing right. needed a wound care specialist so right there you know because sometimes like I said communication is an issue and so a a patient will be thinking that, you know, this practitioner is taking care of this and that. The practitioner is not taking care of it. It's 100% right. not taking care of that because that's not what they do. And you're right. not there for that. Patients don't understand that, that when they're going to see a, uh, when they're going to their dialysis treatment, that doctor that walks in to see them for that dialysis treatment is there to see them for that dialysis treatment. They, they don't, they're not, if you have a cold, that's not not <laughs> what they're dealing with. They're only dealing with the dialysis treatment. But we as patients don't. It's that's not a, always clear to us, you know. And so, you know, I call call her and she's telling me, "Oh no, uh, you know, my doctor's handling it. She's she's uh dealing with this," and I'm like. Okay, that's not what a, a nephrologist does. I go, do you have a wound care specialist? Um, no, 
you know, I, I have seen somebody about the wound. Was it a wound care specialist? You know, like we start going down the road and getting through the layers. Well, anyway, long story long, I called the dialysis doctor. I just, give me all of their names. <laughs> you know, I'm not like the teens that call. They're all much nicer, I guess, than I am. Because I was like, no, uh-uh, give me the name. <laughs> so I start calling down the list. Like, hey, what are y'all doing? Are y'all coordinating? Because this lady's leg, first of all, it spreads to both legs. And it's, it is something called calciphylaxis. So if you look up calciphylaxis, what you will see is that in the first three months, 50% uh, of the people who have calciphylaxis die because it is so pervasive. I mean, this is a very serious matter. And this lady is at her house just thinking that she's good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I said, uh, she goes, well, they told me that there's a medication that works and I've had it before. So wait a minute. You've had calciphylaxis before and you've had this medication before. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Are you taking the medication? No, ma'am. Why? Insurance won't give it to me. Okay. Insurance won't give you a medication that's going to save your life. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So you can imagine how infuriated I was because I'm sure. looking at this and it's on both legs. And the only reason why this woman, in my opinion, I'm not a doctor. The only reason why this woman isn't in much worse shape is because it's in the lower extremities. Like this this particular problem, if it's if it were in her upper extremity, she would be, she she probably wouldn't have been there, you know. So I, I'm calling, 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 and they're like, oh, we we might reevaluate her on December 1st. Now, this is before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, this is like the beginning of November. And I said, have you looked at this? Have you looked at this? She could lose her legs. There's no way. You can't. I know that I'm not crazy. This looks bad. And so I keep calling. Uh, they got mad. The practitioners got mad. But uh, the wound care specialist took her appointment. And so when she showed up to the wound care specialist, they said, you could lose your leg. We need to admit you to the hospital. Admit her to the hospital. And then they give her the medication. Then they give her the medication. Well, I saw her um, two weeks ago, and she was walking. Walked into, I went to her church. She was walking into church. You know, and I say all that to say we have had person after person. I mean, now we have, because we've done over 20,000 early detection screenings throughout uh, Texas. And we found the disease in 36% of the people that we screened early. But we didn't just go, hey, well, Harlan, you got kidney disease. You know, see you later, buddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Once we find it. <laughs> we wish you the best. <laughs> Good luck, bud. Have a great day. <laughs> you know. <laughs> because that's Welcome literally what. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the kidney club. Wee! Exactly. We're, no, we're going to send you a sticker. Yeah, we're going to send you a bumper sticker you can put on your car, right? Yeah, <laughs> I got kidney disease and all I got was this ugly t-shirt. You know, like, <laughs> that's, that's literally what we we walked into the kidney space and found is that people, yeah, they'll come and screen you and tell you that you have kidney disease, but they don't do anything after that. And so <laughs> we start, we set up, okay, what what actually do we have therapeutics that work yes sglt2 eyes okay these work to slow down kidney disease yeah how long they've been out 10 years why don't patients know about them who so who's prescribing them what's the prescription rate that um nephrologists are prescribing these? you know what it is harlan 1.26 percent that is based on an audit 
of all of the prescriptions in the United States. 1.26%. Well, why? I mean, there's, there's mm. got to be a reason for that. Why? Is it because they're too expensive or is it because they're not expensive enough? <laughs> no. Now, so that's what we asked. Okay, what's the cost of these? Because those, those uh, prescriptions can be expensive. But if you have insurance, most of them are covered under insurance. So there's not, and the same, they're writing them to the same low percentage are writing the prescriptions for in the, the VA system. And you would think, okay, well, what would be the reason for that in VA? Because they, that's supposed to be covered. You know, right. all their prescriptions are covered. Well, there's a lot of junk in the medical system. There's just a lot of junk, sure. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're you're preaching to the choir here now, so I understand. Yeah, yeah. Like when you start looking at it, it's like, okay, I don't know what what your reasoning is behind this. All I know is this: we're going to make sure that patients have access to this. We're going to make sure that they know about it at the very minimum, and then we're going to see what we can do to help them help provide access to care, access to this therapeutic, if that's what they need, access to, uh, to the understanding of, of how to read their, their uh, blood work. You know, sometimes it's as simple as that, but they need to know, okay, well, what does GFR mean? And where, it, what, who, what do I need to ask my medical professionals Right. Tell me about this because you don't have to be able to read your 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 blood work. What you have to be able to do is ask the correct question of the correct person. That's what you need. And so once we started teaching people that, we literally had folks. One, we we've had we have all these testimonials that we are now filming <laughs> because they have gone in. Uh, taking our at-home test kit, one lady in particular, I just love her. She took our at-home test kit, went to her practitioner and said, hey, I, this is what the Kidney Foundation gave me. Uh, he he then sent her to do some blood work, and sure enough, she was, she did have uh, kidney disease. So she told him, hey, she they told us about uh, this, this classification of drugs a little 25 milligram tablet as opposed to shots and all this other stuff goes and takes the little 25 milligram tablet gets on it. Now they tell her it's $500 a month. She, she pays it and then gets her insurance. Her insurance um, took over and, and lowered the cost. Okay. Okay. She starts taking it. Now that same lady, instead of these off the charts, a1Cs and all of that. She has normal A1Cs. She lost the weight. She followed our, like she followed everything we told her to do. Right? The message and the messenger. When you give clear direction, people will follow that. And you're trustworthy. And we see her right now in great shape. Person after person, church group after church group that we're doing the same thing. And you know, and it's a testament. It's it's a testament to what a community. You know, uh, that's why we call our program uh, "Neighbors Helping Neighbors." Knowledge to action, neighbors helping neighbors. It is a testament to what people in community can do. Like what you were, we were talking beforehand, you guys, about America, and how great Americans are, because we really are. You know, this is a country where you can be born with absolutely nothing, nothing, and die with everything that you ever thought you wanted to have in need. Because people here work together all the time. When you show initiative and care, it is 
in the American DNA to help one another when we see that. And I don't care what color your skin is. That is an American trait across the board. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. In Texas, I always tell yeah. people, if you don't come from the great state of Texas, we all we are our own little thing. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Yes, We're we thing, are. You know, <laughs> but it's a really, really good thing. And, uh, mm. you know, with, with us and this, it it really has proven, you know, I, I, I don't think I said this on this podcast, but since the pandemic began, my husband and I uh, lost over 70 family and friends. And uh, when you're losing your support system like that and losing people around you, God does that for a reason. You know, there is nothing that happens on the face of this earth that is not for our good. Now, when that's when you're going through that, it doesn't feel good. But when you watch people live with dignity and die in pieces at the end because a healthcare system has failed them, because communication has failed them, then it puts a fire in your belly that can't be extinguished. So nobody can come up to me and tell me I'm too dumb to be doing this. And I've been told that many, many times by very brilliant doctors. Um, that doesn't stop me. I don't really care if they think I'm dumb. I don't really care if, if they think I'm smart. What I care about is, you know, and they would never know this, but what I care about is I believe that every single human being at the beginning of their life, God puts special gifts inside every single person. And at the end of your life, he's going to go, this, Tiffany, these are all the special gifts I put in you and who you could have been. And this, Tiffany, that's all the special gifts and what you did with them. So I live every day and play full out so that this Tiffany is a complete mirror of this Tiffany. Always. I want the girl, everything that he put in me for me to be, I want to have lived up to it at the end. That's what I do every day, right there. So if he's put me here to watch this, then he put me here to do something about it and not to just phone it in with a happy moment because I did a few screenings and people felt good about it and said good stuff about it. You know, because I know I can do better than that. We're, we are literally, me, the Mooses, and the, all of the other ones that, that God has put this on. We will change this. We will change how healthcare is being addressed. We will lift up uh, the, the people who are trying to do what's right in integrative medicine and across the board. Because that's where we win. People being healthy is where we win. You want a you want a healthy nation. You want a healthy economy. You can't have a healthy economy if all the people are sick. All the people are sick. You're exactly right. And I, I think that that is that's overlooked because our healthcare system. You know, I have a lot of folks that I know that call it the sick care system because that's what they're really doing is that there's no there's no profit in getting you well we only as long as we treat you and you're and you stay sick that's where the profit is of course that is why we've ballooned to a 4.5 trillion dollar healthcare system now uh, which is 20 percent of our economy it's uh it's self-defeating it's it, it it really is it's self-defeating because as we become a a larger <laughs> as obesity has run rampant. And as we have seen, then diabetes become rampant. And once again, you know, and, and though therefore hypertension and all of a sudden now we're talking about all of these things that you brought to our attention are precursors to kidney disease. So 
all of this comes together, folks. All of this wraps around together that causes these issues. And, and I have to give you major props, Tiffany, for bringing this to the forefront, for changing the, the really the direction of what was happening at the Texas Kidney Foundation. And yes, while you are certainly serving our great state, you made it clear that you are serving our country as well, that you 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 don't let the, those borders uh, stop you from taking care of somebody else in, a, in another place. So how can someone support the organization? How can someone that heard this out today, no matter where they are, and they say, you know what, I can feel what you feel, Tiffany, because my family has had issues with this terrible disease as well. How can they get support or how can they give support? Well, how can you give support? You can go to our website. You can give and get support by going to txkidney.org. Um, and the best way you can support us is by be, by giving a monthly donation, becoming a supporting member. Um, and that literally $50 a month, you change the game for Texas Kidney Foundation because our goal is always the same when it comes down to being a clear voice for kidney patients. What you find in, in the world of advocacy is that often uh, advocates work for some part of industry. It doesn't matter whether it's kidneys, heart, whatever. They work for the diagnostic folks or they work for the the uh the dialysis folks or they work for a university that's doing a lot of studies or they work for you know but they work for some part of industry and so a, a clear voice that's willing to speak truth to power you know we're we're the only we're one of very few that does not work for has not worked for <laughs> has no uh, financial ties to industry in that way. And we want to keep it that way. Uh, we will let let those guys give us um, uh, sponsorships. We don't go with anything where there's huge amounts of money being exchanged between us and uh, and those entities because we have to remain a clear voice for kidney patients just yeah. for patients. Uh, so your $50 a, a month uh, helps us to do that. That's awesome. Or $20 a month or $10 a month. Like we live. Whatever works, right? What, yeah. what Whatever works. Well, folks, yeah. that is txkidney.org. txkidney.org. If you have trouble spelling kidney here, I, here I'm going to give it to you, all right? T-X-K-I-D-N-E-Y dot org go out there learn more support this incredible organization to keep on this mission of education wait wait let me get it right knowledge then action knowledge, knowledge and action. action baby that's what it's all about i wrote that down earlier so you know timothy i wrote that down because i love it knowledge <laughs> then action how many times do we get to knowledge and never do anything how many times do we take action we don't even know what the heck we're doing knowledge then action i love mm -hmm. it hope you guys have really got something out of today's podcast if if you have more questions you remember you can always reach out to me but if you want to know more about this don't reach out to me i don't know nothing but tiffany jones smith you can find her out on linkedin i promise she'd love to connect and tell you more about all the wonderful things that she does. Thank you again, Tiffany. I appreciate you being on here. Hold on for just a second. I'm going to wrap this thing up, but I want you to stay on for just a minute, okay? Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back with another episode next week. Keep following us on LinkedIn as well. Remember, every last Tuesday of the month, we continue our Why Does Healthcare Suck series. It has really had a great response as we touch on various different things. Uh, this last time we talked about employers and why they're dragging their feet on making the changes to alternative health plans that actually provide real benefits to their employees. Well, we're going to keep on down that pathway in February as we have part two of that. 
Last month, we had some of the industry experts on my side of the world, whether they are working for insurance companies, whether they're working for alternative looks, whether they're working for groups that are putting together programs that are not your traditional plans. Well, guess what we have in February? Employers. We're going to talk to some employers that have actually had the experience of changing to these next generation plans let them tell you about why they did that and what the impact has been. So y'all be sure and join us last Tuesday of the month in February. We appreciate you joining the Health and Wealth Power Hour. You can subscribe at hwpowerhour.com. Thanks a lot. Everyone have a blessed day. We are out. <laughs>